Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, there, folks out there in podcast land, and welcome to episode 128 of the Still Time, the AFTN podcast. You might not want to hear it, but we're going to bring you a New York City Vancouver Whitecats post-game show. I'm your host, Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander, and we are joined once again by a very well-travelled lady. She's been around Europe, leaving a trail of broken hearts and bottles in her wake. Harjit Jahal. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me back. Now, Har, the last time you were on, you said you wanted to have a, a, a theme song to introduce you. So, I've come up with this. Well, she's faster than most and she lives on the coast of home. Well, she's faster than most and she lives on the coast of home. You happy with that? Yeah, it's a great song, Michael. Thank you so much. We kind of have to to talk about today's game. Second home defeat in a row for the Whitecaps. This one stings, though. They outplayed the star-studded expansion franchise of New York City. Well, at least they did in the second half. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Came off in the end of a 2-1 result. Everyone's going to be talking about the controversial penalty call that, that basically gave New York City a 95th minute winner. But I think before we get to that, we basically have to talk about the fact that the Caps came out flat as hell and were absolutely dreadful in that first half. It, it, it seemed like they gave way too much respect to the star players on New York City FC, way too much space for guys like Pirlo, Lampard. Um, I think Villa was the only one that had to work for his stuff, but the other two guys in the midfield, I, I, I don't think Kofi or Lava did a decent enough job. And Rosales, I, I think he, he struggled quite a bit in this game again. Yeah, I mean, you could say starstruck. You could say in awe. Uh, the phrase that Robbo used after the game, though, was in fear. He felt that the players had a fear of the guys that they were playing against and they, they just let that come out in, in that first half performance. Yeah, I thought they were sleepwalking a bit. The, the first half, it looked like it was battled mostly in the midfield, ta- a tactical battle, I would say. Vancouver not really wanting to give away possession. New York looking to do a counterattack through through balls, which they later did. It was very tentative and I thought it was a lot slower than I thought it would be. And I think that played uh, right to where New York City FC wanted to play, but 
they weren't really that tentative themselves. They uh, right off the whistle, they they went after the Whitecaps and tried to control play. They 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 had a couple of chances blocked, but overall, I thought they they played. They were the uh, more dominating team in the first half. Yeah, I mean, Robo said after the game that he felt that New York deserved their lead, uh, and they did. Because it was such an easy goal for Lampard too. Let's talk yeah. about. Should we talk about that first? Yeah, there? I mean the marking in the box was dreadful. I mean, you'd, so much was made about these three big name guys. So the last thing you want to do is give one of them tons of acres of space in the box just to like slot home. And it's a kind of goal that Lampard. We've seen him score year after year in the Premiership for England. That's the kind of chance that he takes. Kind of chance he doesn't miss. And just the, the marking on it, we need to watch again to see who blew it. But definitely Lampard was free in the middle with Worcester on one side, Kofi on the other. Yeah. And then after the goal, they're both pointing at each other. And, and the thing is, even before that, when Perlo was sending the ball in, it seemed like he had so much time and space. He, he, he felt like he had a glass of wine in his hand and just like he had all the time in the world to send that pass to Angelino, uh, who, who made a great run to the line. Cut the ball right back into the middle of the box, and Lampard just just had to pick where he wanted to put it. Yeah, I watched the replay a couple of times on that first goal. It looked like Andrea Pirlo had a glass of prosecco, as you mentioned. Yeah. That through ball to Angelino, I kept thinking it was going to go out of bounds for a goal kick, and it didn't. I was surprised Angelino, eighteen year old kid from, from Spain, coming in there and crossing it into the box. And Jordan Smith, he was late trying to intercept it, went past him. It was Gershon Kofi who was slate to picking up David Lam- uh, Frankie Lampard. So, a uh, bang-bang goal, a beautiful goal to watch. Lucky for the New York guys, unlucky for the Whitecaps that they got ball-watching on that one. And, I mean, Robo and I said after the game, we're both very honest. They, they said that that first half was the worst performance that the Whitecaps have probably played in the half all season. Definitely the worst one I've seen at home. There's maybe a couple of w- on the road that you could maybe say. But Colorado was pretty dreadful. Too, yeah. But... And of course, don't let's not forget the the Champions League game against Seattle yeah. here. Yeah. That that was a pretty poor first half, although it wasn't much better down in Seattle. Um, but yeah, I mean they were honest. It was a a really poor first half performance. They turned it around in the second half. I asked Robbo what he said to them to them at half time to kind of g them up, and he basically just said, "Look, just go. Don't let them get into your mind. Go out there, get the job done. You you've got the better off them." And you just need to go out there and do it. And he also said, he said to them, you can't play much worse than you did in the first half. And the second half, they came out all guns blazing right from the start. Chance after chance, wave after wave. They did leave themselves a little bit short at the back. New York had a couple of chances. Via and Discarut had a couple of efforts that went straight to Ousted. But nothing, nothing concerned. I mean, New York, they needed a win. Yeah. They had to have a win. If they'd lost tonight... They would have been eight points off the playoff spots with three games to go, so it was basically goodbye. Yeah, exactly. So they offered very little in that second half. The Cats had wave after wave, chance after chance. Once again, same old story. I used to have said this again after the game. Same story, creating the chances, just didn't take them. I think the the you were talking about chance after chance. I think the most visible chance. I know he's you know everybody says he's the gold machine and everything, but Jordan Harvey from just outside the six yard area, the ball was just sitting there, and he basically Maddoxed it and skied it over the net <laughs> from that game close. And uh, that was just a simple tap in almost. He he just had to slot it through, and I, I think he might have just got under it and just flung it over the bar. And. He should have really put his head in his hands and, th- and thrown his, his back backwards because, I mean, it, it definitely was a Matic-esque chance. 
Well, how about Maddox in that first half? He he like he obviously started over Vero. Vero had a bit of a knock, but really yeah. didn't do anything in that first half. Rivero hadn't trained all week, which is why Maddox was in. And he had a fitness test this morning, Carl revealed. And the doctor said that Octavio could only play 15, 20 minutes. I will say Darren Maddox did have a patented hands on the hip post earlier in the first half. He had some great runs, but that's it. It's just stop and go. He can't get around anyone. His shot is a field goal, basically. I did think that he did score early in the match when Kakuda Mane had that shot. One off the post, looked like Saunders bubbled it. I thought Darren would get his foot in and tap it in. Yeah, but he he sent his yeah. he sent himself into the net instead. <laughs> I guess that's the only way he can score at this point. Let's talk about the uh, we uh, let's talk about the two penalties um, that happened uh, in in the final minutes. Obviously, both of them disputed. All the New York City FC people were saying that you know neither one should have been a penalty. Uh, so they were, but uh, and you'll hear the audio about that later. What they said about that. But what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, you were Michael. You were saying that the Watson goal was the Watson one wasn't a penalty in any way. I, I like when it happened. I said to you, how on earth was that a penalty? Then I saw the replay and I was like, how on earth was that a penalty? You, you think he maybe got a little bit kick at the back of his leg? Didn't look like it to me. He, he did go down holding his leg. Yeah. Until the penalty was given, then he was up in a split second celebrating behind the goal. Always dangerous when you haven't actually put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but for me, no, neither of them were penalties. The second one in particular, you see the replay. Laba cleanly got the ball, did not go through Lampard, not a tackle from behind, no studs up, nothing at all to make that a penalty. Another reason for you to love Lampard, Michael. But yeah, I didn't think either penalty should have been called for the Waston one on that tackle. It looked like Kendall was already on his way down, so I was quite surprised to see that called. And then the second one, out of nowhere, was a complete makeup call by Ricardo Salazar. You know when he's in the match, you're always going to get a few bogus calls. And he, I think he called that one to make up for the one he called earlier. So it completely decided the match, and it was a poor... Like you said, we were in the New York room, and all the players and coaches agreed that they should not have been penalties. And and I think maybe Ricardo Salazar was a little starstruck, too. I don't know how many matches he referees for... New York City FC, but he was giving a lot of leeway for their team. And of course, Pedro picked up a yellow card for daring to kick anywhere near Perlo. That's yeah. what it seemed like. It didn't really seem like it was a, a bookable offence to me. But, yeah, I mean, Carl said after the game that he didn't know was it a makeup call that he'd given, but, I mean, he, he, he was just furious about it. Good thing about it, maybe, is Peter Walton, the head of Pro, was actually here at the game today, so he'll have seen it all. One thing which I don't know if a lot of fans will know or whether it was shown the TV, but I was speaking to our photographer Tom after the game who was showing me the photos and he has some very interesting photos of Pamaduka having to very forcibly hold back Kendall Waston because he was trying to get after Salazar and then Pedro shouting and pointing at Salazar as Robbo's trying to keep him away. So then Robbo ushers them away and then Robbo's pointing fingers and shouting at Salazar. Wouldn't be surprised if that gets mentioned in the report and we maybe could see fines, maybe even suspensions after that. Another mass confrontation yep. penalty. Well, no, it was confrontation one at a time. So it wasn't really a mass <laughs> confrontation. They were taking turns to, probably in order to avoid those kind of fines. So before we talk any more about the game, the performance, let's hear... We're not going to play any Whitecaps audio tonight. Uh, you'll get all that on the Whitecaps site. So, Steve, you went to the away locker room as always. And Har. And Har as well. And, I mean... That's your domain. 
it's like you should be the only person there because every other week nobody gives a toss about going in there apart from you. But it was a little bit crowded today, I believe. It was. It was crowded. Uh, everybody wanted to talk to Pirlo. Um, he made us wait a while there for it to talk to him. Uh, there's no point in really listening to his because of the fact that he just speaks Italian. And, and, no, and there was no translators either. I, I, I can honestly say, hand in my heart, I didn't give two tosses about Pirlo before he came to MLS, and I give even less tosses about him now that he's in MLS. No surprise there. I so I, I think I might be on the uh, on the rear end of that. Yeah. But we'll, we'll come to that after the audio. So who are we going to hear from? Steve? We're going to hear from the coach, the winning coach, Jason Christ, the goal scorer, uh, Frank Lampard, and U.S. international, Mixed Descarude. Coach, a huge victory today. Um, was it almost considered a must-win considering all the results I have of you guys today? Yeah, I think in our minds we have to win out. Uh, I think that's, that's uh, clear in our minds that that's the only way we have a chance, and even then we might not. So... Um, really, really pleased with the performance again tonight. Ha- so happy with the, the effort that's being put forth and the togetherness that we're showing uh, now on a, in a consistent basis. How did you see the last five or six minutes from, from your vantage point? Mania, pure mania. Um, you know, I, I honestly feel that both penalty kicks decisions were very poor. Uh, the game should have ended 1-0 in my opinion. So with Franks uh, and, and David and Andrea's performances on a, in a game yeah. that a lot of people here were looking forward to. Yeah, I think um, I think those guys put on a good show. Um, I think you know I think both teams really went after it. I think it was a great game, a great one to watch, a great game to be a part of. Things starting to click now. Three straight wins and it's starting to come together. Yeah, I think so. I think so. When I'm looking out there and, and watching the game, I'm seeing a lot of the technical stuff now happening that we've been trying to preach for the better part of the entire season. And had to re-preach and re-teach when the new players came in. So, really pleased with the performances. Was it just as satisfying to you know, although you gave the late penalty up to hold Vancouver and attacking team to like zero goals from open play? Yeah, yeah. Again, I thought the, the the commitment level on the guys to to make desperate plays in and around our penalty box was was spectacular. You've won three games uh, on the road. Three of your four wins on the road have been in Canada. Do you want to play more games in Canada? <laughs> I just told the guys, I think maybe we need to move our team to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> the club, as you fight to make a playoffs, how did you think the match went today? Um, yeah, no, we're, we're happy, obviously, to win here. It's a difficult place to come. Vancouver have had a strong season, and um, it's big for us. You know, it keeps our hopes alive. You know, I think it's we're in a must-win situation now for the rest of the season, so if we'd have lost those points... When they scored the penalty, it would have been disappointing. Frank, your coach or your manager described the last six minutes as mayhem. How did, mm. how did you see it? Yeah, I, I probably agree with that. I think it was two non-penalties. Um, I'll be fair to the ref now because I was ready to be negative about him after he gave <laughs> their one, but I think it's, it's not an easy job. I think he maybe made a mistake with their one where he did make a mistake and uh, mine wasn't a penalty either, but I suppose it levels itself out. Maybe not in the right way, but I'm sure the referee didn't mean to, to get them wrong, but at least we can say it's levelled out. Frank, you said yesterday you weren't going to be bothered by the turf out there. How was it playing on it? Today? I actually enjoyed it. I was just talking to a few of the lads there. It's quite a new experience for a lot of us, but um, it's, I think it's, it's good turf. It's played fair. You know, you adapt slightly, but I have to say I, I found it enjoyable to play on. Yeah, no problem. I, I think this is your first match in Canada. Yeah. How is the atmosphere, the crowd noise, and just everything in general? Really good, really good. The stadium's fantastic. We, I've found the city to be an amazing place for the last couple of days. We've been here, very welcoming, great place. And I found the atmosphere in the stadium. You know, the fans were behind their team as they should be, and uh, 
we had some support, some Chelsea support from England in the corner there and everything. So no, it was it was an enjoyable experience. Are you feeling that you, you David and, and uh, Andrea are sort of you know meshing a little bit better now in the last few games of the team? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think you know David, I think, has had a good season anyway himself. But I think for me and Andrea to get here, fitness has been an issue, particularly for me with the injury and. Uh, yeah, I'm relieved to be fit. I mean, I'm getting fitter and fitter every game. I still don't think I'm at 100%, but it's nice to feel that I'm near that, and then I know up from there I can you know, help make and score goals like I did today. How do you find the travel in North America compared to the travel in Europe? Uh, well, it's, more, it's tough, but it was something you're fully aware of coming into it, and uh, you, again, you have to adapt to the best. I think we, with the staff we have here, um, we try our best to to make it as, as smooth as possible you know you can't hide away from the six hour flight but when you get here an extra day early we came on Wednesday we have massos we have physios uh, we, we trained at the right level so we did our best to sort of uh, level it out you, you guys obviously um, are, have a lot of attacking options but was it satisfying not to give up that open goal for a team from a team that attacks so much yeah, I think you know a good team always needs a base of a strong defence, and I think it's something maybe that's uh, changed around a lot this season. You know, make no bones about it. We've conceded too many goals at different times, and I think in the last uh, four or five games, you've seen more solidity to the team defensively, um, and that's great. From there, once we know we can try and keep clean sheets or there or thereabouts, we know we have the ability to score goals in our team. So just describe your goal. Uh, really well-worked ball down to the mm-hmm. corner. And came yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say a big thanks to the players who made it. I think Andrea's ball was top class, as we know he can do, but Angelino played a fantastic cross and I arrived at the right time. I think it was a, a very good team goal. Does it never get old scoring in a new building? No, no, no. no. I want to do it forever. <laughs> if I can. I'll do it as long as I can. And I didn't actually. I mean, I saw that. I just said hello to Earnshaw at the end, and um, I wish him the best. As I said to you yesterday, I think it's great to see players that have played in the Premier League in Europe generally coming here and doing well. Uh, Carl Robinson here as a manager, and, and Earnshaw still playing here. I know he's been pretty successful in the clubs he's been here at. So um, if I see them there, we'll have a chat. So, um, uh, first of all, uh, what your th- overall thoughts on the game, um, especially the last uh, 10 minutes, pretty frantic there? Yeah, that was intense. I mean, uh, there are chances. I mean, we're going 5v2 uh, two, three times during the end, so it looked like they were going to score, and then it was kind of back and forth. And uh, For me, it looked like none of the penalties really were penalties. You guys have probably seen a replay and everything, yeah, so you can say it evens out or whatever, but yeah. yeah. Um, for us, it was a very important win, and... We're still alive in the, in the playoffs, even though it's a small, slight chance. But it, it feels good, definitely, when, uh, when we have the six-hour flight home again. Yeah, considering the results today, do you feel like it was a must-win today? And do you feel like you have to win out almost? Or you're, you're desperate almost every week to play desperate? Definitely. And it looks like uh, us being desperate helps almost. Uh, we're, we're getting the wins right now, and uh, we've got a good streak going on. So we just got to keep on doing the same thing and getting those wins. But, I mean, uh, uh, Vancouver's a good team. It was it was fun to be here. Great city, and uh, all the best to them moving forward. Do, do you feel like it's more uh, just as satisfying to hold Vancouver to no goals and from open play, considering is you know everybody talks about the attacking options in in with New York, but you were able to hold them without a goal from open play. Is, is that just as satisfying? Yeah, of course. It's it's always defense side and offense. It's is everything uh, connects kind of, and it's we're, we're a team and. You know, it starts from WDB up top. He, he's the defender as well when we don't have the ball. So uh, for us, it's important to shut down behind there. And uh, I think we, we played as a team. We look we looked good as a team uh, pairs of times, and, and that's what we want to keep on doing. The, the three guys up top, the designated players, the, the, you know, they're all very good players. But do you think 
New York is able to take advantage of their reputation sometimes, and teams that are younger and, and playing with them, they're kind of starstruck when they're when they're playing against them. You got to ask them. I have no idea. Um, but I think when you when you go out there and on the field, you really don't think about those things. You're you're in your own uh, zone. And for us, it's fantastic to have uh, players out there who has that experience and and uh, knows how to win important games and have been around for a while. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Crisis hits New York. I saw a blind man, he was eating his fork. He said, That's what you had to do to be cool. You eat your cutlery instead of your food. What a So I guess you could say a buoyant New York City locker room there. As we said, they had to win. If they hadn't won, they were going to be eight points behind with three games to go. Season was going to be over. And the interviews would have been shorter. Yeah. Uh, to be honest as well, it is, their season is pretty much over. Five points behind, they've got three games left, but Montreal's also got games in hand and they stuff. They do, yeah. They're not making the playoffs, which makes this loss all the more disappointing. Also what makes it disappointing is their defence is dreadful. This was a team that the Whitecaps should have beat. The defence had shipped 50 goals this year, and the Whitecaps, right from the start, Laba had a, a shot two minutes in, but the long balls over the top were catching them off. Facey got an early booking, and what annoyed me most was you wanted to run at him then for the rest of the, the half, the game, and they never went near him again after that. And it, it was just so frustrating all round. And like we said, a lot's going to be made of the penalty decisions, but as Robbo said, as Eisted said, as we're saying, it's the way that they played in that first half that cost them. And two designated players on the bench, New York started all three of theirs. We mentioned that Rivero hadn't trained all week. Pedro trained for the first time on Friday. Robbo has said that he's going to like ease him in gently. He was told he should only play him for 20 minutes today, but he said needs must, he kind of put him on for about half an hour. Yeah. I, I thought he played all right. It was a little scary one shot when he he had lost his uh, band for his yeah. hamstring, but it looked like he was hurt. But he, it didn't I, seem I, like a... I thought he'd done his hamstring when he overstretched in stoppage time. Yeah. We'll have to see if he is. But it's a big decision to keep those guys on the bench. His hands were tied. He had to. Yeah. But that's when you need the other guys to step up. And you mentioned Mario Rosales. It was a bit off his game against Seattle. A bit off his game again tonight. And true. And then uh, you also talked about Darren Maddox was not... Especially, you know, clinical, as <laughs> to put it nicely. Uh, who were some other players that kind of disappointed today? Well, in the first half, I thought the t- whole team was out of sorts. Jordan Smith, especially. I thought Gershon Kofi had some good moments, but on that goal, he was nowhere near uh, Lampard. And the service up top to Darren Maddox was there at some points, but then he just dropped the service and didn't know what to do with it. I will agree with you, Mora Rosales. I, th- I didn't think he had his legs in the, early, in the early going. From the free kicks, from the dead ball, he's good. But running, getting the ball moving and such like that, I don't think he had his best game. And understandably, he's a little bit older. He's got a wear and tear. So Mora Rosales, I, think, I don't think he should have played the whole match, and he didn't play the whole match. So in terms of that, I would say those guys. So we've talked a lot in this podcast over the last few months about the lack of chances. We talked last season about it as well. We just simply can't finish. I think one thing that we maybe don't always give credit for is how well the defence plays. And as I say, it's a pretty crappy New York defence, but they held firm. 
They, they were in with tackles, they were mopping things up in the air, they were quick to respond to things. They, they were quicker to get to the ball and to clear the danger. Yeah, and also you got to give credit to Josh Saunders who, who, yeah. who robbed a couple players. Uh, you were talking about the Kakuta Mane earlier one, and then uh, uh, just after the penalty, he stopped Pedro Morales. It looked like Earnshaw got the shot off uh, on the, uh, the flick, but it was actually Pedro who got the header in there, and uh, Saunders saved that. And then also the Jordan Smith uh, uh, shot from a distance that set up... Uh, the Waston's penalty which, call. Which everyone finally got to see what I've been yeah. going on about for weeks about the shot that Jordan Smith has. Yeah. Maybe but, not great defending, but what a shot he has. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, talking about Smith, uh, I was speaking to Stephen Betashure, and he thinks he'll be back to full fitness within two days. Okay. So we should see Betashure back next Saturday against San Jose. His hometown. So um, uh, one thing we have to discuss, obviously they, they're on a two-game losing streak in MLS at home. Ever since the Canadian Championship one, uh, win, they've lost four of their last six. And if you look at it, the two games they won, the one against Colorado and the one against Olympia, they weren't overly impressive performances. So what are you guys' thoughts? Is, do you think there's still a hangover from that Canadian Championship, or could it be one for this long? Yeah, I agree with that somewhat, Steve. There's a bit of a, a lull in the Whitecaps' play. You look at the top of the table, the Whitecaps have been there for pretty much the last month and even a bit longer, contending for the MLS Supporters' Shield. And when you do that, you're always going to get the best game from your opponents coming in to knock you off that perch. And the Whitecaps have had a few nicks, injuries. It's not an excuse. They have a deep roster. They can roll in players. But I think maybe the games are getting a bit to them. They've had a long layoff. I don't think they're in trouble at all. I think they'll regroup. I think they've got couple of games with Dallas coming up after San Jose and those are big games big rivalry with Dallas as we know so I think I think they'll get back on the right track before the MLS playoffs as a little speed bump you want to be cruising right when you get to the playoffs get this bump out of the way and I think they'll be good and obviously the schedule hasn't helped either because they you know they have 10 days off here then a week off there then another 10 days it's been all over the place the the the, the time in between games. Yeah, I asked Jordan Harvey that at training on Thursday as well, and he's never seen anything like that in all in all his years at MLS. Two MLS games in twenty days, which was the Houston and the Seattle ones. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then you look at the Whitecaps' schedule for October: one game on a Saturday, two midweek on a Wednesday, and then one on a Sunday. And then the Thursday game against Olympia, which yeah. we don't expect any MLS. I'm trying. I've just forgotten about that yeah. competition. That no, doesn't matter anymore. I also on Thursday at training, I, like, I spoke to a few of the guys and Robbo about the top two finish in the West. Like They've been in the top two all year in the West. That was my MLS article that went up today on Saturday as well. A lot of you guys might not have seen it because it did go up a bit late. Nothing to do with me. And the general feeling is it's going to be a big disappointment, a letdown, if they don't at least finish in the top two now and get that first round behind the playoffs. But you kind of, and Gary Kingston asked this after the game tonight, you kind of have to maybe look at we're talking about are they going to go for the support of Shield? Are they going to be in the top two? Should we be looking, are they even going to finish in the top four now? Because it's got so tight in the West. Yeah, especially with Seattle and their wins lately. Uh, it's, it's come it's come down to it and they could be um, passed by a couple teams if, if the results go, two or three teams by the Wednesday because Sporting's got two games. Uh, LA and Dallas are playing each other tomorrow. Nobody seems to want to win... The Supporters' Shield. Yeah. And Jesse Marsh, after New York got beat on Friday night, came out with a great quote saying, oh, everyone's talking about the Supporters' Shield and crap like that. 
I don't care about the support of Shield. It's exact quote. Now, it's not going to be favourable to the supporters. No. If a coach is coming out and saying that he doesn't care about the support of Shield, should we care about the support of Shield? No. The thing is, if you think of it, the supporters, they, that's coming out of their own pocket. They raised the money in order to put that. So it's kind of a shot at them for not taking it seriously. But, you know, I guess they're just trying to deflect uh, some of the... Uh, that horrible loss that they had on the on yeah. on, fr- on Friday to on I mean, Orlando. I, I want us to win the support shield, but more than anything, I want us to finish top two in the West so we do that get that first round vital, playoff yeah. by. Yeah, and a little bit of rest for the team too. Exactly. Yeah, if they finish first or second, there's not really much of a break if you look at it. They play on the Sunday at home to Houston, and then they would have that first away match either on Saturday, the Halloween, the thirty first, or the first of November away. So really, it's only four. Maybe five days max. Extra, yeah. Yeah, but it might be better for them to be on the road anyway and not, not have some home playoff games. But, I mean, that was Rob's big challenge from the executive this year was he had to get a top four finish and a, a, a home playoff game. I still think they will. I mean, I think it's too early to talk about not getting it. But when you look at a home and away against Dallas, that that's tough. Houston, yeah, I think that. They'll have nothing to play for by that point. Three yeah. points there. San Jose coming up on Saturday is now massive. San Jose, but a tricky game. It's on the road. Whitecaps need to come up with some road form. Actually, let's look ahead to San Jose. What kind of team do you think they go with now? I'm not quite sure about the team, but I remember watching that game earlier this season when the Whitecaps went down to San Jose. I don't think they got a shot on target in that game, or either they got one. It was absolutely dreadful to watch. And we all know that Chris Wondolowski just murders the Caps every time they play him. So this will be no easy cakewalk. And from what we've seen from the Caps, they play down to their opponents sometimes. So Robbo's going to have to get these guys up to go down there, get a result. And it's not an easy place. As we know, it's a new stadium, so they're still trying to figure that out. So uh, a big contest nonetheless. Well, I think uh, if people are getting healthy, I think Ka comes back into the lineup and uh, like you said, Betashore would come in. So then you got Harvey and Watson in the back. Um, I'll set obviously in goal. The the holding midfield. I wonder if Tiber does pull in there, considering Kofi did not have a great the great game uh, against New York. Maybe they give him a break. Uh, I think Laba definitely plays uh, up top. I think I think it basically stays the same unless Rivero can play a few more minutes. Uh, you have to hope Rivero is going to be be fit and back. I don't think there's going to be that many changes. Betashire will be back. Cal will be back. Yeah, type type it for Kofi could be one of the things. He does need to freshen it up. I mean, I'd like to see Mosquita in in the number 10 role. Pedro's not good to go just because he links up so well with with Rivero and Teixeira. But, I mean, with the hamstring injury that he's got, it's hard to see him back. So I think we'll probably see Mauro continue in that role. We need to share it to, to kind of get back to his top form again. and Even Kakuta's dipped a little bit. Yeah, I mean, t- Kakuta today. Kakuta, I had an issue with him in, uh, late in the game because he was pu- uh, pushing forward, but he wasn't coming back defensively. Yeah. And he left Jordan Harvey out to dry a couple times. There was one point when uh, Mick Discarud, who we talked to, was all open at the far post, and Jordan was looking for help, and he didn't get any. Luckily, he never got to him. I mean, Discarude in the first half was left open at the back as well because yeah. Harvey was getting sucked into the middle. And, I mean, there was one of the times that I said to you, look how free Discarude is. And Kikuta's standing there just staring at him but not actually moving to him. And it's like, what are you doing, Kikuta? 
I, I felt like a little ways that uh, when they were attacking, it seemed like they were trying to just impress the the star players on the other team. We were talking about they're starstruck, but I think they were also trying to impress those guys as well. And and hopefully somebody's watching them from afar, and maybe they get a contract out of it somewhere in Europe. Actually, like talking about the star players, one thing I want to talk about is the fawning over them by the Vancouver media this week, which completely disgusted me. Whitecaps training on Thursday. Two days before a crucial game, three people turned up, two of them being myself and Har. Last Thursday, two days before the Seattle game, two of us turned up, me and Monty from Canadian Press. It's shocking. And I know that that Caps train's been at five o'clock, access and stuff, which doesn't kind of suit all the media, but it's their job to kind of cover the local team. It's not every day you get the likes of Perlow, Villa and Lampard in the city. I understand that. But the fawning over them was ridiculous. And I'm sure Har probably wants to make a couple of comments on that. I will disagree with your comments, Michael. Uh, I wasn't at Thursday training because I wasn't notified as to when New York City was going to be training. That's a completely different story. I know Weber was there. Uh, CTV had Jason Pierce there. They talked to David Villa in Spanish because he supposedly doesn't speak English, but we heard him speaking English in the locker room. Another story. I did go to training on Friday for New York at UBC. There were so many fans. They had to put fences up. They had to use the media guy as security. I will say there was a bit of media storm. We know there was uh, the Pirlo event at the Italian Cultural Center. Definitely more of a buzz, as you would expect, with world superstar players coming here. They're not going to come back again, I don't think. So, yeah, definitely a buzz, but I wouldn't say they're, like, tripping over themselves to get to these players. I'd say the fans, definitely the supporters were. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't nothing crazy, just a bit more than we would see. And you've got the Lions playing a game, you've got the Canucks back in action, some media people are there doing those things. So it's basically a balance to be everywhere at the same time. Well, the Lions suck this year, so I won't even give them any coverage. But you're talking about a team that is leading leading a major league and it's like they're not getting the coverage they're not getting the folk out then there was the other Ferrari during the week about oh the white caps are not selling more than 21,000 tickets for this it's like people want to go and see Perlo and Lampard and give them extra money who cares about these people if they wanted to get in to see these players I don't want them here you saw what it was like when Perlo went to take a corner kick in the second half everyone's like oh cheering for that do you want an extra 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 fans doing that, cheering for these players and taking away the Whitecaps' home advantage? Although whether there was a home advantage today, it's hard to say since they lost. It puts money in the Whitecaps' organization's pocket to but better the club. Yes, but this is what, like, football is all about money these days. And I want to say a big well done to the Whitecaps for not chasing that dollar and not caving into this pressure and not opening up the tarps and showing that it's more about creating a home environment than going for this money. And they did well on that. And for the people that are mourning that they couldn't get tickets, screw them. I don't care. That was point and counterpoint from Michael and Har. Obviously, I'll cut Har's stuff out in the podcast, <laughs> so it just makes me look... Although I expected that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't want to talk anymore about the white caps. don't want to talk anymore about this game. Let, let's end on a little bit more of an upbeat note. I'm going to bring something back that we did in the early days of the podcast. It might have been actually with my other podcast wife. I can't remember, like, Pierce Lang when we did the other podcast. That was a messy divorce. Yeah, it was. And we're going to, like, look at uh, a new story. Not MLS, not Whitecaps. That was in the news this week. Read all about it. Read all about it. 
Was there something that caught your eye, Har? Something that has me bothered this week. As you know... Very bothered by the same thing. I'm proper bothered, Michael and Steve. As you know, FIFA 16 came out Tuesday in North America. I'm very excited. I've been playing the game nonstop in my apartment. I ran out of food. Anyways... She she has the the orange Cheeto stuff around her face. I don't eat those, but all right. Anyways, FIFA 16, great game. Playing it a lot. The women's teams are added in. As you know, it's wonderful to play as the women's team because they've never been included. Some jackass on the internet, he went and edited a picture. I believe it's of England fullback Lucy Bronze. And he added in an ironing board. So it looks like Lucy Bronze is ironing on the pitch during the game of FIFA 16. And this has me bothered in a tizzy. I'm very upset. I don't know why you do that. Some narrow-minded jackass has got some small opinionated views and a small weenus or something. It's completely out of order, and I don't like it, and it's very unacceptable. It puts down the women's game. It's a jerk move, and it does not need to be something that's happening in 2015. That's counterpoint from harm. I, I, I was kind of confused by it because, I mean, was it a steam iron? I mean, how, how did she plug it in? It's the, it made Maybe it's a Wi-Fi iron. You're missing the point, oh, boys. You're missing the yeah. point. And I, I, was, I was really upset as well because it really didn't look like she had used proper fabric conditioner, I felt. Mm-hmm. i got some in my pocket. You want to see? <laughs> I haven't played FIFA 16 yet. Steve, you've just got hold of your copy today. Yes, I will be playing it. I, I am looking for... I'm, I'm delighted that the women's game is in it. I cannot wait to spend a whole evening playing with Alex Morgan. My news story of the week, I tweeted this out earlier, is that... Italy's top female referee so it's, it's more women's soccer how you enjoy this I think I will Italy's top female referee has given up refereeing to become a TV pundit because she was so beautiful that they wanted to get her onto TV constantly she was posing in bikinis and on the beach and stuff like that now what I was wondering her because you're obviously the women's football expert have we ever seen a photo of Carol Ann Chenard posing in a bikini I don't know, guys. I would think that would be something that you guys would be up to or looking at. Mm. I, I, I just thought it, it, it was good that women's soccer was like making the headlines again. That's for the wrong reasons, though. It's for negative news. I think a, a upbeat story I have is um, we might see Sepp Blatter in jail. Oh, and I think yes. that's fantastic. Um, there is criminal investigation going on. The f- well, I don't think he's a former FIFA president, soon to be former FIFA president. Officially current president. Yeah. So th- I think that's a, that's a good sign, and, and, and I think that would be my story of the week. Thank you for saving this new segment, Steve. Yeah, it, that would be fantastic. That just has so much arms and legs still to go in that. It's got a lot to run. But that is it for this episode of the podcast. Before we go, we'll let everyone know where we can find you online. Steve, you go first. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. You can find me on Twitter at HardJournalist. I write for Red Nation Online, Whitecaps coverage, and you can see my women's coverage over at Equalizer Soccer. And this week in particular, you can check out my story on Super Frank, Super Frankie Lampard over at Red Nation Online. Great guy, answered every question we threw at him, wonderful guy, and I don't like Chelsea, but yeah, great guy. You can say Super Frankie Lampard, I say West Ham traitor. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. 
Read our stuff online, away from the numbers, aftn.ca. Also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check out my stuff on that. So until next time, which will hopefully be in happier times, the Whitecaps really need to get back on track really quickly. Four games this season to go. Western Conference title is still on their hand. Supporter Shield, not so much now. New York Red Bulls backhanded the, the favourite card possibly for that. So we'll see how things play out. But until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Thank you.